It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Brandon here from the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Josh and I discussed the front rack position. And for those of you who have no clue what that is, don't worry. We define it and talk about what the purpose of the front rack is in the clinic and in the sport of fitness. We also take the joint-by-joint -joint approach and go over assessment and mobility requirements from the T-spine all the way to the wrist. Then we get into correctives and alternatives that you can implement on your clients and on yourselves while working towards improving that position. You're going to hear about all that, but first, what we need you to do is head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. And then go to your friend's phone and give us another five-star review. We're also two weeks and some change away from the Integrated Kinetic Neurology course. That's the IKN approach, and it's at Vertex PT Specialist in Columbia, South Carolina on July 14th and 15th. The link for that is in the show notes. Student discounts are available, and you're not going to miss that one. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Josh and I are discussing the wonderful world of the front rack position. This was actually by request of our good friend, Coach Riley Kilbride, who's crushing it out in the desert in Goodyear, Arizona. So, Riley, if you're listening, thanks for the suggestion. Love you. Mean it. By the way, if any other listeners have requests or any other feedback for us, go ahead and hit us up on the gram. And that's at Better Faster Podcast. All right, Josh, let's dive into this. So I know that some of the members of our audience are brand new to the PT and strength and conditioning worlds. So could you start out by talking a little bit about what the front rack position is, maybe what proper front rack positioning looks like, and we can also talk about its application in sport of fitness. Yeah. So um, front rack position, yes, it's something that uh, unless you are really in the strength conditioning world or um, in the CrossFit or done something like you know some barbell lifting, you may not know what we're talking about. It's definitely something that is uncomfortable sometimes for people when they first start out. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to get into today. But essentially, the barbell is going to be across your shoulders. Um, and you're essentially going to be doing things, squats, presses overhead, whatever it might be with the bar starting in that position where it's again, across your shoulders and your hands are still on the bar. So, um, if you are kind of imagining this in your head, I'm, I'm walking up, I've got a barbell in my hands it is in front of my body and I've got it rested against the front of my shoulders and I'm trying to lift my elbows as much as possible while the bar stays in contact with my shoulders there. And that is, uh, something that's, it's often difficult for people when they first start out. And we're trying to get those elbows to where the, the upper arm is pretty much parallel to the ground while still having the hands on the barbell. So um, I know that's kind of tough to articulate um, what that looks like. So you can always Google front rack position or front squat. Uh, but that's a position that is going to be very common in the sport of fitness and the strength conditioning world. Um, as I mentioned, front squats, or if you're doing any type of cleans from an Olympic lifting standpoint, you're also going to be doing various types of presses, jerks, things like that from a front rack 
position. Yes, there are little nuances to each one of those movements where you might change the positioning of your hands or elbows for each one of them. But in general, you know, you're going to be performing multiple movements from this position where the bar is supported by your shoulders. That's the big key here is that the bar is not, um, you know, the weight is not all on your hands. A lot of people want to just hold on to the bar, hold it almost away from their body as they go do these movements. The bar actually has to be on the shoulders where most of the load is supported by your trunk. It's not supported by your hands. Really, your hands are there to keep the bar in position. They're not there necessarily to support the load, um, you know, keeping it off the ground. That's the job of uh, your, your trunk. So we're trying to get that bar as close to our center of mass as possible. So it has to be pretty far up, up, uh, you know, on the, cl uh, the clavicle or your collarbone or up close to your neck. You're, you know, if you do it correctly, you're not going to choke yourself. Uh, but it can be something that's a little uncomfortable for people the first time they do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh I know for people that didn't grow up doing CrossFit, didn't grow up doing Olympic lifting or people that are new to the sport, a lot of times they do struggle with this. It takes a while for, for them to develop the mobility and the technique. And I know what's the one thing everyone says, I can't get into the front rack position because my wrist mobility sucks. And yeah, my wrists hurt. Yep. Yeah. And it turns out most of the time the wrist is actually fine. It's, it's actually everything else up the chain that isn't where it needs to be. And that's an example of regional interdependence at its finest. So with that said, why don't we talk a little about some of the things we look for from a, a mobility standpoint, from an assessment standpoint, we can kind of maybe go, maybe we joint by joint, talk about some of the mobility requirements required to get in this position. So awesome. I guess, in other words, what, what do we need? What do we need our joints to be able to do to get in the position to absorb and adapt stress in the front rack? Yeah, and I think there's a, a pretty quick and easy way to determine if your wrists actually are an issue. Because yes, there might be someone out there that does lack wrist extension and is unable to get in the front rack due to that uh, particular issue. Uh, but like you said, oftentimes if the wrist is you know in pain when you're doing the front rack position, uh, oftentimes it's just because it's having to bear load and do things that it's not meant to do. It's having to compensate for something else up the chain. So, um, and we'll get into that. But for your wrist mobility, if you want to assess this, I have everybody go into a uh, position where they're on all fours and their shoulders are directly or their hands are directly under their shoulders. They're on their hands and knees directly under with their fingers pointed forward. And I have them start to rock forward. And the goal there would be while keeping your palm on the ground, be able to have uh, at least what we call 90 degrees of wrist extension. So your forearm should be perpendicular to the ground or forward from that position if you're rocking forward. So that's an easy thing you can do. You can pause right now, hop on the ground on all four position, uh, all four, all fours, put your hands down right underneath your shoulders, keep your elbows straight and rock forward and see, can I get past perpendicular, past straight up and down? Uh, and oftentimes, um, most people don't have an issue with that. Their wrist might hurt during the front rack, but it's often not due to a mobility issue of the wrist. Um, another good thing I tell you is can you do a proper push-up? You can do a proper push-up, hands in by your sides, elbows kind of 45 degrees um, out so you're not chicken winging. If you can do a proper push-up, most likely you have full wrist extension. So um, those are um, you know, two quick ways uh, for the wrist. Um, so I guess do we want to keep moving on to the elbow? Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I had in mind too. I mean, essentially going to get them in the front lean rest. Um, mm -hmm. see if they can do a push up, and when they come up i 'll see if they can rock forward get those shoulders forward a little bit and get past that ninety degree point so it's real it takes two seconds so that 's a, yep. a real easy way to check that no gummy no goni armor is required yes no no goni is required for that one um, and similar with the elbow honestly the elbow um, again can be an issue. I know I have an elbow elbow issue from uh, previous injury and in baseball and having a surgery on it, um, but it it rarely is a limiter here in the front rack um, for 
most people. Um, some people will say maybe that, you know, bicep mass might be part of it. Um, or, you know, they just might lack what we call elbow flexion or the ability to bring their lower arm bone up towards their upper arm bone. So a quick way to see if you're, you have enough elbow flexion is I get into that mimic that front rack position where my elbow, you know, I basically bring my arm up forward. So it's straight out in front of me. Then I bend at the elbow. And while I, I basically hold on to my other wrist, I grab that wrist and kind of push my hand down towards my shoulder. And can I get my knuckles to touch my shoulder? And most people will be able to pass that test. Again, if they, if they can't and you have our next, you know, our next thing we'll talk about is the shoulder and you have adequate mobility at the shoulder, it's, it's not a 100% you have to be able to do it. But that's a real quick way to do it. Arm straight out in front, bend your elbow, try to touch your knuckles to your shoulder. If you can do that, you know, pushing down, you can actually use your other hand, push through a little bit, give a little bit of resistance there. If you can push down and touch, um, touch your uh, shoulder with your knuckles, then you have enough elbow flexion to do a front rack. Yeah, for sure. And, and out of everything we're going to talk about with joint by joint approach, the elbow flexion is usually the one I'm least concerned with. It just always seems to come back on its own when the athlete actually gets more time under the bar in the actual front rack position. Yep. But, you know, occasionally you will see someone like yourself that is going to have that, that, you know, that hard bony infill yep. for various reasons, that kind of thing too. So you definitely be aware of those kinds of things. Yes. And even though I can't pass that test on my right side, I can still get into a front rack. So there's still, even, you know, none of these are 100%. You can't do this. You shouldn't front squat or you can't front squat. Um, you know, that's, yes, I can't actually touch my knuckles to my shoulder on my right side, but if you have adequate shoulder mobility and you work on your positioning and you have adequate T-spine mobility, we're going to get into, you can still get into a front rack. So, um, Brian, let's go ahead and move up to the shoulder. So what do you look for at, uh, at the shoulder to make sure somebody has enough range to get in the front rack. Yeah. So the, the first thing I'm going to look for is to see if they have shoulder external rotation. So, you know, really for the front rack position, they're going to need more than 90 degrees and we're going to check this actively and we're going to check it passively. So you could have your athlete, you know, lay down on their back, preferably over, over a bench or over a table and put them in the 99 position and see if they can get, you know, more than 90 degrees, but preferably you're actually going to have them flex their shoulder to 90 with their elbow kind of pointed straight ahead at you and then have them externally rotate again, have them do it actively, check it passively and see what they get. Um, because that's, that's really, really important. Typically 90 degrees is not going to, if you're going to have to get more than that. Um, and then along with that, uh, I also like to, to kind of couple this with the, the lats as well. And this is when we actually talked about last week with our shoulder impingement um, podcast, but basically I'm going to have the athlete or the patient lay down on their back and raise their arms overhead and see if they can get to 180 degrees. Then I'm going to have them bring their knees to their chest and retest that. And if their arms come up off the ground, they're getting less than 180 degrees, then they have an issue with their lats. Now you don't have to have full shoulder flexion to get into the front rack position. But if your lats are tight, your lats are restricted, that is typically going to be a problem is something that's going to be addressed. So those are two of the big things to look at with the shoulder. What you got? Those are the exact two things that I look at too, man. Um, and I, I do that same test where somebody's right. I have them reach out in front of them, bend their elbow up. So yeah, the elbows pointing at you. And then I just make sure, can they go from that neutral position? One, if they can get in that position where they're straight up and down, they're already pretty much there. And I see if they can go past that a little bit, be able to externally rotate a little bit from there. Um, that's, that's where I go. And I love that you're checking the lats there. A lot of times, um, the lat can be a, a, a kind of a secret limiter here that people don't think about. They're not thinking about their lat when they're thinking about a position to put a barbell in front of them. Um, so I think that that's great that we talked about that last week and we're getting into that as well. Um, and there are some quick and easy fixes for that too, that we might be able to get into later. Uh, but I think you nailed it, uh, hit the nail on the head there. Awesome. So 
most important thing probably where we usually start with correcting the stuff is the thoracic spine, right? Cause that's really, that's the chassis for your shoulders and your head and neck. Um, you definitely got to address limitations here first or else you're going to probably be spinning your wheels. So what do you like to do to assess that? Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, a great point there. This is the, arguably the area where most people, especially if they're new in your gym or, um, you know, if you're, they're coming in you can see them and they've been sitting in, you know, in this posture where they're reached over and they're over on their computer and they're, and they're, they, they really just are stiff and they don't, don't have much motion there. Um, so, uh, a, a big thing that I'll test is a test is kind of what we talked about last week. Um, when we talked about that kind of lumbar locked thoracic kind of rotation position, I think that's still something to look at here because it does couple a little bit of extension in there as well. Um, in with that rotation and it really kind of gives you an idea of the person's overall thoracic mobility. Um, cause it, I'll, I'll get people that come in that really just are so limited there. And again, we're looking 45 to 50 degrees on that. It's where you're kind of sitting back almost in like a child's pose like position with both of your, um, you're, so you're sitting back on your feet, your forearms are down on the ground, you put one arm behind your back, and then you try to rotate as far as you can while keeping the other forearm on the ground. Um, I'll test them actively and passively again, just like we talked about last week. Um, so that's where I'll start. But because um, uh, I, I just love that as I'm going through my overall assessment when I'm working with somebody new. Um, but I know you love to work on uh, thoracic extension pretty much right away with a lot of these people. So what are some go to's for you on, uh, you know, T-spine extension? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just the piggyback off of what you said, even if they pass that lumbar lock thoracic rotation test, I'm still going to do some thoracic spine extension work to them because we yep. can all benefit from that. You know, I think it's just, you think about what all we do in our daily lives, driving, sitting, that kind of thing. Everything is kind of pulling us a little bit into that, that sort of kyphotic position. And so we can all benefit from doing something to address that. Some people need to spend more time on that, sorry, more time on that than others. But yeah, so for the T-spine, you know, we got, we got a lot of options here. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of exercises. Um, ones that I, I think about that I do most often, um, I usually are going to do some extensions over a foam roller or a peanut, which is two lacrosse balls taped together. There's various thoracic rotation drills. There's prayer stretchers. There's open book variations. I mean, the list goes on and on. Just, just do something for it. Um, and I'm usually going to at least hit something addressing extension and something addressing rotation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's arguably where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. Um, like I said, you know, I have, I don't pass the elbow on my right side and I barely pass the wrist one to tell you the truth. Um, so, um, having adequate, you know, shoulder extra rotation and really being able to have mobility in that T spine. Um, honestly, it can let you get away with maybe something, um, down the chain. Um, but oftentimes if you, the, the more proximal your issue is, the harder it is to get away with that. I feel like, at least in my mind, um, you know, if I have somebody that has T spine or shoulder, um, extra rotation, issues and looking at it's much harder to get them in the front rack than if it's an elbow or a wrist i mean if they have adequate mobility up the chain i don't know how you feel about that yeah for sure i mean yeah you can you can definitely get away with more there's there's more room for error if you have adequate thoracic spine extension mm -hmm. so um moving on down the chain what if a, what if a person's like an external rotation what are some of go-tos for that yeah um yeah. So when I'm addressing either of those limitations, you said might be the issue when it comes to um, full shoulder flexion or shoulder external rotation. I love to use load. I think load is really important here. We talked a little bit last week about the shoulder flexion, um, you know, uh, kind of it, it, what we would do with that, where we have a PVC pipe with some load on it, like a two and a half or something on it. And we're going into, we're on our back, we're supine and we're doing uh, full shoulder flexion where that load is helping us pull into in range and we're working on good trunk position. Well, I'd like to do the same thing from an external rotation standpoint. I'd have the person hold a, maybe a two and a half pound plate or something light in their hand and they're on, supine again on their back, maybe have them abduct their arm to 90 degrees and then have them go into external rotation. So they're hand is going back towards the floor while they have this 
load in their hand. And again, they're controlling it down and I'm really watching to make sure they're not compensating elsewhere. Are they trying to extend through their lumbar spine? The rib cage is flaring to try to get more external rotation. Um, I'm, and I'm watching to see how far they can get. And when they get towards that end range with that load, I'm having them hold there in that position, you know, have some good low deep, uh, deep breaths, trying to work into a little bit more range and almost they're actively trying to work into it. They have a little bit of the Lord load assisting them into it. Um, and I'm repeating reps there. So that arguably is my favorite one to do. I will also do some like end range liftoffs where I have them, you know, maybe with a rig, like a rack, uh, like with a rig right in front of them, they have an upright, they're up against it and they're pressing in into the upright. So their hand, elbow is right in front of them, hands right up. They're pushing into it, contracting against it. Um, they're internal rotate, internally rotating into it. And then doing kind of end range liftoffs, I think that can help too. Um, but really, it's kind of diagnosing like, okay, what do we think really is the issue is why they don't have external rotation? And kind of my catch all for that is putting it with load while they're on their back and kind of going into that 90-90 position. Um, what about you? Yeah, so yeah, those, that's, those are great. Um, and some of the things I just think about that I use real commonly uh, in the clinic are some soft tissue work usually to the lats and the pecs more so the lats than the pecs. Um, there's some pretty cool ninja moves you can do with the PVC. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's the best way to describe it. Yes. Yeah, you can kind of pull, use one arm, pull the other one to external rotation. There's, there's some pretty cool videos on that. Um, owner nerve glides actually work really, really well for the front rack position. So don't, don't forget about that neural tension. Um, there's also this really cool technique where you, I'm going to try to describe this the best way I can, where you set up the barbell in the rack, you put the back of your arm, so basically your triceps on top of it, and you actually step onto a band and let the other end of the band pull you into wrist extension, and then you can actively, it's kind of a catch-all, but you can actively go into shoulder external rotation. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, um, I like, you know, pails and rails, um, end range lifts, like you said. I mean, there's lots of options. Just do something. It all works. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I'm going to uh, throw this out there and you can uh, see what you think. Um, to tell you the truth, my favorite thing for people who struggle to get into the front rack is the front rack. Um, and, I, and I'm stealing that from, from Quinn Hinnick and clinical athlete. If you're not checking him out and what he's doing, you need to go check him out. But he, um, he came and did, I did a weightlifting course that he taught. It was uh, a clinical athlete weightlifting course. It was a great course. And that was, he said that one time, he said, the best position, best thing to do for someone who needs help with the front rack is the front rack. It's putting yourself in that position. It's working to find a little bit better of a position while under a little bit of load. And even if you can't get the bar on your shoulders, he talked about putting, um, you know, loading a bar up with like 315 or 405 or something like a ton of weight on a bar in a rack, getting underneath it, really bracing and getting into a very good position from a trunk standpoint with your hands on the bar and then pushing up into that really heavy barbell as much as you can, trying to work yourself into that front rack position. Um, And then doing holds there, breathing, while you're in that position trying to let your body get more comfortable in that position because a lot of time it's just exposure you need um so i wanted to make sure that kind of like the first thing i try to do if i you know a lot of it's just they're not comfortable with it i'm i'm going to get them in the front rack as much as possible but if you do have a little bit of an ailment like a really specific thing like shoulder external rotation then i'll also break it out into these things that we're talking about yeah for sure yeah i totally agree with that i mean i've always felt like nothing improves my squat mobility better than just squatting exactly you know, yep. that kind of thing. bottom of the so, squat yeah <laughs> so, so i definitely see where that applies for sure mm-hmm. um so working our way down to the next joint elbow mm-hmm. flexion so let's say that person can't get their knuckles to touch the deltoids what are you going to do for that 
Yeah, that's interesting. So you got to determine it. Well, what might be the issue? Is it that they, you know, is it me? Like I have a bone, you know, bony block that, that causes a lot of my elbow issues. Um, is it, they have a ton of bicep mass. Um, so you got to figure it out. You can do some, uh, some gapping stuff there a little bit um, with kind of like banded mobilizations where you're, you're, you're kind of laying, um, I'm trying to describe this. You're laying on your back. You have the, the band around your arm, your upper arm bone will be on the ground. The band is wrapped around kind of the, um, your forearm and attach the rig close to the elbow. Um, so it's almost like pulling and distracting the joint a little bit while you kind of use your other hand to pull, um, pull yourself into full elbow flexion while you're getting a little gapping in there. Um, that would be one way to do it. Um, I think sometimes a lot of times it might be like a, um, you know, maybe it's a tricep extensibility problem, maybe for the person you could do soft tissue work on the tricep. I know my front rack position always improves when I work on my triceps or my triceps a little bit. Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of body tempering. A lot of times on front rack days, I have, um, training partner body temper my triceps. Um, shout out to Donnie Thompson for that one. Um, but also, uh, you know, if you can't do that, you can do some self soft tissue work on the triceps. Um, but that's kind of where I would go to. I would figure out, all right, is it, you know, are they going to be able to, um, you know, are they limited by something that's really, I'm not going to change too much, you know, from like an exercise, if it's like bony or too much trice or too much bicep mass. Um, and then I'll kind of focus on the joint. Can I gap it a little bit? And then can I work on the, the length on the opposite side, what the muscles that extend the, the elbow? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I typically don't spend too much time on this one just because, yeah, you know, oftentimes, yeah, it, I mean, like, like you said, it gets better just by getting underneath the bar, but on occasion, I'll do some soft tissue work with the triceps. I may do some kind of manual therapy, gapping to the elbow, that kind of thing. Um, but it usually comes back on its own. So really not that much of a concern. Uh, I think this is what you're describing. This technique where you set up the barbell in the rack and you sort of get underneath it and, and kind of throttle up, like you're driving your elbow up towards the ceiling. So um, that kind of is another catch-all that seems to improve everything as yeah. well. Yeah. All right, we're down to the wrist, Brandon. Down to the wrist. And, yeah. and, and by the way, one thing I meant to ask when we were talking earlier is what's what's the standard? What's the criteria for the amount of fingers wrapped around the bar? I mean, do we want all the fingers wrapped around? Do we want fingertips? Is it is it very dependent on the the, the lifter's style? I mean, what's what's yeah. the, what's the rule for that? I I, there, I don't know if there's any rule, but like from ideally, I would love to have the whole hand on the bar if possible. Um, it, that is very difficult for people. Um, I do think it is. Um, a little bit more stable of a position. Um, I think that if you can get your whole hand on the bar, again, you're, that you're probably, you know, able to, you know, you probably have adequate T-spine mobility because I feel like a lot of times when you can't get, you know, enough T-spine extension, it, you have to almost compensate by laying the bar roll into your fingertips because your, you know, your scapula position is not in the right, uh, the place that would be ideal. So I would love people to have their whole hand on the bar if possible. It also makes it a little bit easier if you're going into um, a jerk um, after that clean, um, you know, if you're going to do a movement from that front rack that involves uh, going overhead, say with your whole hand on there, although some people do jerk with an open hand. So I think it really is individualized. I would like to see people with their whole hand on it. I'm okay if they can't. Um, but if you are never trying to work to get your whole hand on there, I think you should try to do it. Um, you know, if you're always just been like, Oh, I go at it with two fingers and I'm always going to keep two fingers on there. Um, you can get away with really poor positioning elsewhere with that. A lot of times if I only had to keep two fingers on the bar, I can almost touch my elbows together in the front rack position and really round through the T-spine and still have the bar on my shoulders and supported by my shoulders. So I would say to try to work towards getting your whole hand on the bar. Um, if, you know, I, I would say that's more of the ideal position. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah. It's not, it's not easy. I, I have to open my hand a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, uh, but that's something that we all should hopefully maybe strive for. Yeah. I usually have to, I usually have to kind of reset when I, when I, you know, catch the, catch the bar in the front rack before I do the jerk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just don't naturally wrap all my hands around it, but yeah, it's interesting. That's something I've been trying to pay attention to with some of the lifters. It seems like everybody has their own kind of style. Yeah. And that's why like, if somebody's very comfortable in the rest of their front, that looks great. And they never have issues like losing that T-spine extension. They almost like fold over in their squat. A lot of times when it gets heavy, you'll see somebody almost fold over. Cause honestly, that's what our T-spine does during a front squat in the clean. It really is kind of like an anti, uh, it's like anti-flexion rather than really extension. It's kind of, can mm-hmm. you get in an adequate position? And then can you hold that position? as the load gets heavy because it is out in front so it's going to want to pull you into um, flexion so if you know it's really like all right are they strong enough there are they good position and I think if we're on our fingers um, we're more likely to maybe lose that position uh, again for some people I think it's it very individualized but um, that is true you know if you look at like the top lifters you're going to see a lot of differences from them in all aspects not just the front rack position Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so what, what are you, yeah, what are yeah. some of your go-tos, man? Wrist extension. What are you, what are you gonna do yeah. for that? Um, for me, I know I have, um, you know, I don't know if this was a, a product of, uh, in baseball, I was always taught forearms where the come for, where the home runs come from. So I did <laughs> as, as so many, amp, you know, empty bar, dumbbell, forearm curls, and it gave me fairly big home for, forearms. The home runs didn't necessarily come with it to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, but, um, I, you know, I am, you know, I feel like a lot of my issue is, um, you know, a tight, you know, tightness kind of on my wrist flexors. So I spend a lot of time trying to loosen them up there. It's not really a joint issue for me. I'm like right at 90 degrees. So again, body tempering is my go-to. If I know I got to get in the front rack, I'm going to lay down on the ground. I'm going to take one of those body tempering implements. I'm going to roll out my forearms and man, my front rack feels better almost immediately. Um, that's one of my go-tos there. Um, again, if you're not loading into extension, um, after doing that work, you're, it's just going to be transient changes. Um, so like mine's gotten better over time by continually doing that and then getting into full extension in that front rack position. Um, but that's one of my go-tos. You can also do a, a, a number of different like banded um, mobilizations. You could simply just get in that position that we talked about for the assessment and rock into whatever your end range is and hold and then kind of do like throttle back and forth there to try to get a little bit of a stretch and working into that end range. I know you've got some great banded ones. I've seen you work with people. You want to talk about some of those? Yeah, yeah. It's The one I, I think I use the most, my go-to is definitely it's – it's it's very like analogous. It's very similar to the the you know posterior Taylor glide that you do for an ankle. Um, mm-hmm. But you're essentially you know setting the band up you know right in the crease of the wrist and you know letting it you know pull the the in theory the carpal bones into a little bit of a volar glide. Very similar to what you would do with like a manual therapy technique. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I really really like that one. So you're basically you know putting your hand on the floor, putting that band so it's kind of again in the crease of the wrist and you know, again, given that, that volar glide. So basically like what I mean by volar, if you're not familiar with the anatomical terms is like, if you were going to stand with your palms facing forwards, it's pulling in that, you know, that anterior direction, basically that, if that explains that. Yeah. Um, it's, tough, it's tough to describe. I think most people understand kind of what you're saying. Like the, it's like a, another banded mobilization with movement and these yeah. are all things that, you know, they're all over YouTube. You can Google it um, or look it up. Um, but I love that one too. I know that I think I saw you maybe giving that to somebody like five years ago and that's been in my repertoire ever since. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, um, it's, it's basically a mulligan technique. So it's not a static hold. You're just rocking back and forth and out of in range in a position, but works really, really, well, um, I like doing soft tissue work to the forearms. Um, everything from getting, getting on a foam roller to just using pin and stretch techniques with your other hand. Just again, yep. usually I pick something for the joints and something for the soft tissue and then do something else. Um, but just to kind of, you know, to sum all this up, you know, I, I actually, this is one of my favorite type of patients. So I love when someone comes in and their goal is just to get to the front rack. You know, they're new to CrossFit. They're tired of modifying or scaling the workouts and 
they should be able to do it because most of the time they get, they will get better if they just do something on a consistent basis. So after we spend all this time on the joint by joint approach, doing all these modes and things like that, it's just, you know, it's reset, reinforce, reload. So if we want to get this mobility, we want it to stick, we have to load it ASAP. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that may be doing front squats. That may just be getting to the front rack, doing isometric holds, front rack walks, front rack lunges, whatever, just something to actively get into the new position after you do your mobility work. Yep. No, I think you're exactly right. We talked about that last week too. When we were talking about the shoulder and we're trying to, if we're ever trying to gain some range there, we're working on the soft tissue. We have to, we have to use load to our advantage. Um, otherwise a lot of these manual techniques we may do these joint mobilizations, um, they're going to have very transient effects. It's going to be feeling good that day, a little bit looser for that, that moment. Maybe you can get in that uh, position for a brief period of time, but eventually the, the tissue, everything else is going to kind of start to return back to its normal unless some load is applied there. So, um, I'm a big fan of finding a way to load. As I mentioned, I'm working on my forearm and then I'm getting into the front rack position. I'm working on my tricep. I'm getting into the front rack position. Yeah. But it's, you know, when someone gets to the front rack position for the first time in the clinic, it just, it makes you like a miracle worker. It's, it's mm-hmm. very rewarding, man. It's very fulfilling. Um, yeah. and just another thing in general is I, I've talked about this before in a previous podcast, but I just think the front rack position is just so important for everyone, mm-hmm. even for our elderly patients, because just the, the postural and the anti-flexion, the anti-kyphotic implications of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't use this in the clinic, you know, I encourage you to experiment on yourself or maybe on a couple of patients and go a little bit beyond rows and beyond band pull aparts and see what you get. Um, but that said, we talked about it earlier, not everyone needs or is going to be able to get into a barbell front rack position and right. maybe that's because they're a post-op you know they're they're six weeks post-op shoulder some folks have some of those loose bodies some of those bony blocks things like that um so if you have people that can't get into the front rack with the barbell it's not appropriate what are some of your go-tos what are some alternatives or ways to modify ways to scale this thing oh man there's there are a lot of ways you you, yeah you feel like you can't get into <laughs> into that. There are so many ways you can go. And number one, I, I feel like this fixes almost everything is a goblet squat. Heavy goblet squats fix everything, man. Uh, I tell you, that's our buddy Zach Long would tell us that heavy squats fix everything. I'm, I'm a believer in that. And I think heavy goblet squats fix everything. So yep. you can't get into a barbell front rack. You can do a heavier goblet squat and still get a good anterior loaded squat. Um, and I think that that's my number one go-to if, uh, you know, again, there's limitations in loading there, but that's a great start. If somebody again is newer and they can't get in the front rack because they have some severe maybe some severe limitations from years of not doing it. And I know I've got a little work to do. Yeah, I'm going to try my best to get them into barbell position. But if it's not a safe position to squat, I'm going to find something else. And a lot of times, just getting them started with a goblet squat is the way to go. Um, that's where I probably am going to begin. Um, and then I want to try to get to where, uh, um, you know, eventually I want to get to where I can put them a barbell across their chest. So after I've done a lot of goblet squats, uh, maybe even holding a sandbag or a med ball or anything else where you're just holding something in front of you and squatting is a great start. But to get it on the bar, to get it actually on your shoulders, I think you've got a couple options there. Um, one option is to, uh, you can cross your arms. I'm not a huge fan of the crossing the arms technique. I think it's very hard to maintain a good upright torso when you do that. Um, you know, at least for me, it's not my number one go-to, but some people will do it. Um, I actually would rather see most likely if I'm working with somebody and that's the issue is where I tie weightlifting straps to the bar and I have them, they're basically in that same testing position that we put for shoulder external rotation where they're elbow or their elbow straight out in front, their upper arm bones parallel to the ground. And then in their hands are holding a weightlifting strap as close as they can to the bar or uh, that's attached to the bar. So they're still mimicking that good front rack position from a shoulder and T-spine um, standpoint. Um, I think that's a great one there. Um, also, you know, if your gym has it, um, you should probably use a safety squat bar. 
I love saving squat bars. Um, I think there's multiple ways you can do that. Um, you know, you can, I've seen people where they actually will put it across the front of their body and the handles are actually behind them and they're, they're kind of crossing over. There's some weird ways that you can see out there, but a standard safety squat bar squat is great. If it's say uh, somebody that's still post-op shoulder, um, that's kind of, you know, you're on the recovery row, but they're not ready yet to get in that position. It's still a great way to load up the squat pattern. Um, I, so those are some of my main go-tos. Um, there, but again, there's so many different ways out there. If you're just trying to get squats in, man, and you have an upper body issue, you can always go to like a belt squat or something that's just loaded. Um, you know, you know, it's, it's still a loaded squat um, and you can still get a ton of benefit there. Um, or I'm going to do another squat pattern if I need to, like a, a split squat or something else. I'm going to, I'm going to get them squatting somehow, some way, but it just might not be with a barbell right away. Yeah. And, um, that, what you're saying about, um, the, the goblet squat, I, I think Dan, John, I think it was in his quotes. He says the goblet squat is the type of squat most Americans need to be doing. Yeah. Um, at least to start out with, but yeah, the, what you mentioned about the wrist straps. So the wrist straps, basically that's a, that's a makeshift safety bar squat. And I know when I was recovering from my, uh, pec major repair, that was my go-to. That was yep. the first, the first way I was able to actually do that before I could back squat. So that was very, very nice. That's part of my favorite go-to. Um, yep. I also like the sandbag. So we have the on it and the brute force sandbags in the clinic and the way that those handles are, um, really, really nice way to get into a front rack position, um, where it's not going to put as much stress on the, on the wrist, um, for people that just can't in that position yet, or they're kind of new to it. Um, also like kettlebells, kettlebell front rack yeah. position is not as demanding either. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a really nice ways to scale. Um, and, and get it done in the clinic. Um, yeah. and I think yeah. that most important thing is you don't just tell, oh, you can't do, you can't get in the front rack position well or, or back. A lot of times if they can't get in the front rack position and they can't get in the back squat position, they're in their mind, they can't squat. They can't do, you know, sure. they don't, you know, and a lot of times these people will be the people in your classes that don't come on days there are squats in the workout. Um, so if you're a coach out there, you have to have these other tools in your toolbox to help this person continually, continually get, you know, that squat stimulus that you're desiring from the program, um, without, you know, without, you know, get, but while getting created while are creative, while they're working on these other issues, because I, I can't tell you how many people I know don't come on days we have front squats because they just don't like the position or they think it hurts or they think they're never going to be able to. Um, and the goal is to show them that, Hey, we can make progress here. And these are other ways we can still get great work in while we're making progress there. So it always comes back. I feel like we always get on this topic of you got to find ways, especially with this, this fitness athlete population of keeping them in the gym for member retention purposes, but also man, like, you know, you owe it to them to find a way for them to still get uh, you know this that squat stimulus even if they can't get in that position absolutely putting them on the shelf is just detrimental to their health to their well-being so definitely can't do that Mm -hmm. um there's so there's one more thing i wanted to try to fit in here so this is this is just kind of a word of caution so anecdotally I've, I've over the years being a clinician, I've seen a couple weird injuries and these are more so with people who've been training for a long time who are a little bit more advanced athletes. And what they did was they experimented with some different grips with their front rack. So basically usually going from more of a, going from a neutral or a narrow position to a much wider position. So mm-hmm. one thing that I saw was a UCL sprain. So, um, that's basically a ligament that the Tommy John surgery is done to reconstruct Uh, another incident i saw was a first metacarpal fracture luckily both of these were treated successfully conservatively without surgery but you know my point is that in my opinion it's fine to tweak things and change things up from a performance enhancement standpoint or whatever it may be but just take your time because in my opinion the reason why these injuries happen are because the changes were so fast and so dramatic that the tissues just didn't have a chance to adapt yet and the result is just snap city, right? So mm-hmm. do that. Just just take a few weeks to gradually work into it and build up the volume. You know, four to six weeks is a good rule of thumb. I don't see this stuff very often, but it can happen. 
Yep. I think, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me from a coaching perspective, um, I'll get people who want to play around with their front rack because of other things too, where it's like, oh, I want to widen my hands a little bit because it will hit uh, differently on my thigh when I'm doing a clean, or it will set me up better to jerk from maybe a wider position. But that is kind of a word of caution there is going from, you know, a more narrow position really out wide uh, immediately may not be the, the way to go. Maybe it is where you go incrementally, you're gradually widening out that grip a little bit, maybe like, uh, you know, a centimeter or so at a time rather than going a full hands width outside and then trying to, to clean a decently heavy weight. You do put yourself in a position that your body's not accustomed to um, because yeah, there are people that do play around and have uh, maybe untraditional um, front rack positions uh, because it does allow for a performance enhancement. So, um, you know, that is something to look into, but like Brian said, it's got to be done, you know, in a controlled way and a safe way. Um, the, what we talked about today was more of a kind of a general position that probably everyone needs to start in. Josh, what else you got, man? Um, hey, you actually just won a CrossFit competition over the weekend, didn't you? That was off the couch too, right? <laughs> Uh, I would say I was carried to a CrossFit competition victory by two other amazing athletes on my team, two of our uh, CCF regionals athletes, shout out to Rachel and Jeff, Jeff, who we've had on the, the podcast before. Um, yeah, they let this uh, old washed up guy come out of retirement and, and work out with them. So uh, it, was a, it was an awesome experience, fun competition in Greenville run by CrossFit Reaction called the Greenville Games. Uh, three-person comp where it was two males, one female. So it's a different kind of a different structure, which ended up being really fun. I'd never done anything like that. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, they did really well, man. They did so well that it probably made me look even worse than I actually was doing. Um, like just because they were doing, they were just, oh, they, were, <laughs> they were head and shoulders with the top male and female there. Um, and so big shout out to them for all the hard work that they put in. Um, and they were able to win in spite of me. So they deserve extra credit. Yeah. You got the W man. A lot of people won championships with Michael Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> essentially what I felt like. I was the 12th man on the bench in that situation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was fun, man. It was good to get back out there and do it. I hadn't done a, a competition in a long time. Um, a lot of times they tell you, man, when you get I'm sure it's like, wait, when you start practicing too, a lot of times your own training takes a backseat. Um, and I am guilty of putting that on the back burner too often. So it was good to have a goal and something to strive for. Um, and I know I'll probably try to do something like that more often to, to keep myself working hard, um, you know, in the gym. Yeah, I know. It, I know it helps me stay motivated to have that finish line and have something to shoot for. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I just need to prepare a little bit better next time. That's <laughs> the plan. <laughs> well, I'm going to sign us off, man. Um, so if you haven't already, head over to iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to reach us, you can find Josh at Josh Jeffrey 5 and my handle is at BB the PT. For CrossFit games, qualifying, remote coaching, and programming, check out carolinaperformancetraining.com or at CPT underscore strength. And for my Rockstar team of PTs, uh, shout out to Dr. Tristan Fail, who just got her OCS last yeah, week. Yeah, way to go, Tristan. You can find us at vertexpt.com or at vertexpt. And we'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.